Good morning, church. And uh, it's nice to be here with you this morning. And I don't know whether all of you know that when you go to heaven, now there's a new SOP. <laughs> and uh, the heaven door won't be open until you get uh, your social distancing and temperature check. Did you know that? <laughs> well, just a joke. Uh, to go back to Bolivia in March of this year. I came in February to do some important uh, thing and also to visit two Bolivian families that uh, we sent out to this part of the world uh, in uh, two countries. But after my last visit, I came back here to Malaysia excited about flying back and uh, I couldn't go back because Bolivia started to close its border in March. Even the first week of March, Bolivia didn't have one case, but by the second week, there are about two to three cases in Bolivia. So Bolivia decided to shut the borders. I flew from Penang to Kuala Lumpur to try to find any airplanes to go anywhere as long as I can get back without success. And I heard from people in Kuala Lumpur that tells me that, uh, hey Henry, have you heard that uh, the country is going to implement the MCO? What is MCO? I didn't, I didn't have a TV to look on or any news. And then I realized that, yeah, it's going to have a lockdown and nobody can move anywhere. And that was on the 16th, I went from Penang to KL to try to fly back, waited on the 17th, and finally, my, um, this airline uh, agent in Bolivia told me that uh, found me a plane, a last-minute plane that is flying out from Kuala Lumpur to Brazil, and I have to change plane from Brazil to Bolivia. For the 17, almost midnight. In other words, almost at the point of MCO starting. What to do? I prayed about it. And I decided not to take the risk. What happened if on the way, out in the end, before going down to Brazil, and Brazil started the closed door? Or if I can reach Brazil and I couldn't go to, back to Bolivia, I would be stuck in Brazil until now. And so I decided to fly back to Penang, where I am until this time. You know, in my 35 years of experience of living in Bolivia, I can say that towards the end of last year, October and November, it was the most dramatic experience for me. Not the COVID-19, because uh, I didn't experience that in Bolivia. I'm already here before COVID went there. But uh, October, 20th of October, 2019, we had a presidential election. After the election was over, when they were counting the votes, it was uh, felt that 
there is a, a fraud in the election. So citizens started to come out in the streets and block the roads and streets. I remember the street where I am living, just one short street, there was about three or four blockades. Businesses and shops were all closed down for two or three weeks to pressure the government. A 16-member state of the Organization of uh, American States came to Bolivia to conduct an audit of the whole electoral process. And in the end, it was discovered that there's uh, some uh, sus suspicious suspicion about uh, being uh, rigged the, the electoral process. Immediately, the ex-president of Bolivia, Evo Morales, he flew in his presidential plane to Chapare, which is about four hours' drive from Cochabamba, where I am living, together with some of his ministers, and straight away, Mexico sent a military plane to take him and his ministers to Mexico. The whole country was rejoicing, came out of the street with cars honging, waving the Bolivian flags, and all that. But at the end, at the end of the day, when uh, people went back to their homes to sleep, the nightmare began as Abel's uh, people came out to the streets and uh, wreaked havoc. They destroyed everything, burned down municipality buses, uh, about almost 100 of them, houses and businesses were burned down. And the police began to lock themselves in because the police are outnumbered. <laughs> Imagine that uh, the whole of the police force in the country is only about 20 to 25,000 policemen, the whole country. And uh, the group that came out just in the city itself was almost 20,000 people. You know, not to mention other parts of the country. But later, thank God that the army decided to join forces with the police and put things under control. So it was a time when, uh, as the situation get, got worse, the U.S. Embassy decided to pull out all its citizens out of the country. As a mission, I was part of an uh, organizing uh, committee for emergency and uh, looking to day-to-day -day, uh, news about what is going to take place. And we almost, as a mission, pulled all our workers out of the country. In fact, all of those that are working in the uh, city of La Paz already got out of the country. But at the last minute, I told our director that to hold on for another day to see whether you know, things will improve. So a new uh, interim president came into power for the time being. 
uh, while waiting for the next election. So it was called for May, but because of the COVID, it was postponed to September. And now the, the electoral tribunal thought that uh, September would be a peak uh, period for the COVID-19, so postponed it now to October. But right now, as I am speaking, Bolivia is going through a tense movement where social groups are out in the city to block the roads again, to pressure the electoral tribunal to change the date back to October, uh, to September, I mean. <clears throat> they closed out the roads, oxygen tanks couldn't get through to the hospitals already, many newborn babies have died, and others in the hospital who needed accident, uh, oxygen died because oxygen couldn't reach them. So this is the situation right now in Bolivia. Maybe you ask me, would I still want to go back? I say, yeah, because uh, I came out temporarily and I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. So I'm still waiting. If tomorrow, if today there's a, a plane, I would jump on the plane to go back. Uh, even though it's a risky business. Sixty-four years ago, sixty-four years ago, five missionaries went to Ecuador. They left behind their young families, young wives, and young children. But the difference is that they never ever get back to their country again. On January the 8th, 1956, Jim Idiot, Nate Sainz, Peter Fleming, Ed McCurry, and Roger Udarian landed their small plane on the small jungle clearing along the riverbed of the rainforest of Ecuador trying to reach and unreach people. It was previously known as the Alka Indians. They managed to land their plane and um, managed to have their first contacts the first day. The second and third day, a group of Waurani people go towards them. And uh, instead of receiving them with a handshake, they were chased and speared to death one by one. You see, these five men, they knew all the dangers and all the risks. They even carry guns along just in case. But at the moment of truth, they decided not to use their guns to kill, but rather let themselves be killed for the sake of the gospel. Today, there's a thriving church of Warani believers because the five decided to give their life for the cause of the gospel. Why, we, we ask, why did they risk their lives and literally gave their lives away? I believe they understood and took Jesus 
command and make it their first concern. What about us today? Can we say the same thing or willing to do or go to places wherever the Lord leads, even if it means risking our lives? Briefly, I want to share with you five specifics this morning. First, a specific instruction. Go in the Great Commission. Go is an action verb, the idea of movement. Go, get going. It's key to understand the missio day of God. Missio day is a Latin word meaning the mission of God. It expresses a certain degree of urgency and is undergird by Jesus' statement, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 18. So instead of, uh, I find that some churches arguing over the word, you know, whether it's really Jesus said, to go as a command or going as a process, whatever it is, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we doing it? Have we gone? Are we going? So, the, the, the point is, uh, we have to go. I live in Cochabamba. You know, Cochabamba is a valley of 2,558 meters, roughly, above sea level, or about 8,392 feet. So that you all have an idea for comparison, Genting Highlands, which is an highland, is only 1,865 meters, and Cochabamba is just a valley. Many people who go to Cochabamba to get acclimatized before they make the trip to La Paz, the capital, which is uh, much higher. And uh, I live in a mission house which is down on the foothill of the valley. Every two or three times a, a week, I, I will try to walk up the slope about 10 blocks from where the mission house is, which is uh, roughly about almost 3 kilometers each way up the slope. And sometimes I find it hard to, 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 to reach a destination where I wanted to go. But I keep telling myself that, well, you know, it's just about 2, 3 more blocks and I will reach the top. And uh, when I reach my destination, looking down so beautiful, Cochabamba, you know, is uh, worth uh, climbing up. And climbing down is no more a problem. To go and make disciples of all nations is just like walking up that slope. Sometimes it feels easy, you know, when you receive some uh, encouragement from people along the way. 
But at other times, when you feel that you have no more strength left, when you are tired, when uh, it's hard going, you just want to give up. But if you remember that it is, and understand that it is God's heartbeat, it encourages and stimulates us to keep going to make Christ's last command our first concern. Not from the start, God's interest is not only in us alone, but in the whole world as well, starting from our neighbours to the furthest corner of the earth. As echoed in 2 Peter 3.9, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There are verses after verses, both from the Old Testament and New Testament, that uh, reflect and tells us the, the heart of God. First King, for example, chapter 8 and in verse six, 60, that why we should go so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Another example in 1 Chronicles 16, 24, that tells us to declare His glory among the nations and His marvelous works among all the peoples. And then in the New Testament, some example from Luke 24, verse 47, so that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And another example in 1 John 2, 2. It says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So for all this to happen and take place, we need to go and proclaim, to declare His name, until the whole world hears. And so it takes all of us, the whole, the whole church, to really send out the whole gospel to the whole world. Second specific is a specific Tasked, make disciples, which also includes baptizing and teaching. Discipleship making is more than just going through a structured discipleship manual, but rather it is a relationship to be cultivated, a process, sharing, relating, influencing, and impacting lives so that others can come not only to know Jesus but we transform into His likeness. And all this demands our time, effort, and certain sacrifices as well. So we can safely say that in order to make disciples, there have to be followers. And in order to have followers, there must be believers. And in order to have believers, there must be the sharing of the good news to those who do not yet know Him. And so we can say that discipleship making involves 
a process of uh, evangelism and outreach as well. This is aptly expressed through the prayer of Jesus himself in John 17, 18, where it says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe. In other words, they have not believed yet. But through the preaching of the disciples, this group of people shall believe on me through their word. Of the prayer of Jesus and the overall discipleship process. When people come to know the Lord, they are then incorporated into the local church, getting baptized and grow through the teachings of God's word. That's discipleship. And uh, in Bolivia, I thank God for the opportunity and privilege to have uh, uh, many open doors to disciples, many people, uh, which if you want some other time, I can share with you on a more private as time don't permit here about what God is doing uh, in Bolivia. The third specific is a specific clarification of where to go. It says to all nations. As I mentioned earlier, that discipleship, to make disciples, is uh, not only limited within the local church context. It should have a world impact. We, we are the cross language, culture, and social barriers, both within our own country as well as to other parts of the world. You know, John 3.16, the famous uh, passage for God so loved the world expressed to us uh, the immensity of God's, God's love for us. So much so that He sent His Son, His only Son, that's all He had, and He, he gave His Son for you and for me. And that's how much uh, God loves us. And we can say that Jesus is God's first missionary sent from a different geographical area that is from heaven to earth and from a different cultural background which is from heavenly to earthly Philippians 2 5 to 8 tells us that this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, Jesus chose to die for us and many of us choose to live for ourselves. Not all. 
But maybe it's time again for us to reconsider whether we are willing, you know, to risk our lives for the sake of the gospel. Over 20 years ago, I was living in a border town of Bolivia just with Argentina. Um, together with another missionary from Jamaica, we planted six churches. The concept of church planting is different to different people. Maybe here in Malaysia, planting churches means, uh, you know, getting a group of people from the core church and uh, starting somewhere. But over there, uh, church planting, the idea, the concept is pioneer where there's no Christians, where you are the only one and you have to do everything. So if you ask me, am I a pastor? Am I a whatever, singer, player, cleaner? I'm everything. And uh, so literally planting physical church as well as spiritual church. Uh, remember, uh, building a cement block and taking the blocks to the place and putting up cement and build the literal church. Uh, that's church planting in other areas. And I traveled normally with this other missionary. We are the only two in the whole of that place, uh, everywhere. And one day, uh, we were going to Cochabamba, where I am right now, for an annual pastors, uh, national pastors retreat, where pastors from all over the country uh, will come to the place, about uh, over 3,000 pastors. Uh, I, I decided to go there one day earlier to pick up uh, this Jamaican missionary. And uh, he was traveling there with a few other pastors in a bus, but they never reached there because the bus met with a head-on collision with an oncoming truck and uh, he was among the five who was killed in the bus accident. God spared me but took dear brother George Beckford to himself. So uh, sometimes Serving God have its risk. Are we willing to go to some of these risky places? The risk may not only be from the social or political, which is also a risk in Bolivia, but also from traveling to some of these very dangerous roads. If you go to Bolivia, the La Paz, there is this one road that is called the Death Road which is among the most dangerous roads in the world, where, you know, literally every day there's accident and people tend to die because the vehicle will just drop down a few thousand meters in the ravine. And uh, so to go and make disciples of all nations have its cost. But we have read that uh, Jesus, being the form of God, decided to take the form of man to come to, to us and die on the cross for us. So, as we 
contemplate on what Jesus has done for us, I think there is nothing too risky for us to take for him. Fourth and last specific is a specific promise of Jesus. Say that surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a precious promise. You know, uh, nobody can ever promise us to be with us until the end of the age. Only Jesus can do that. And he promises. Jesus not only gave us his command, but also his promise to be with us. Otherwise, all that we do will be in vain, isn't it? It will just be human effort and we will fail miserably without him. But it's, it's important to understand that his promise to be with us does not exempt us from dangerous situations, but it means that he will be with us in and through whatever trials, dangers, and challenges that comes our way. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. And, and it's not an impossible command because it comes with his help. It is a serious command and an urgent one, and not only directed to some individuals, but to the whole body of Christ. Like I said before, it takes the whole church to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. It's not about just me, but it's you and me. It's us together uh, to take the whole gospel to the whole world. <clears throat> Has the Great Commission become the great omission in your life? Have you been doing anything about it? Have you gone? Are you going? Where is the missing sea? Only you can answer that. You see, missions, somebody said that missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who stay and pray, and the hands of those who give. They went because they choose to obey God, not because it is the, a nice thing to do. They knew the risk they were taking, but they are willing to take the risk. Just two years ago, on 17 November 2018, John Allen Chow, 26 years old, was killed by the Sentinelese people he was trying to reach with the gospel. This tribe lived in the North Sentinel Island of the Andaman Islands in the Indian Ocean, one of the last unreached tribes in the world. Some called John foolish, others make him into a martyr. You see, both John as well as these five other missionaries that went to Ecuador, they literally gave their lives away because they understood without any doubt that Christ's last 
Command is their first concern. Jim Elliot, some of you may have read his book. He said that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Is it true of our lives? I want to share with you to end this morning's message from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, in Jesus' own words, which tells us that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever who saves his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. May it inspire and challenge us afresh to take Jesus' last command and make it our first concern if you have not done that already. What is your part? Only you can do your part. No one else can play your part. May the Lord bless his word this morning. We want to thank Mr. Henry Chia for sharing God's word with us today. Uh, we thank him for the reminder and the challenge of the Great Commission in our lives. At this time, we want to uh, be reminded of the reflection and discussion questions that will be uh, that we, we share every week. And so, for those of you in your small groups, fellowship groups, families, these are the questions to discuss over the week. Firstly, are you already making disciples? And if not, when do you plan to? Are you already making disciples? And if you're not, when do you plan to? Second question, making disciples of all nations may not necessarily mean crossing the sea to the other side, but it also does not mean that we are to do discipleship only there. And so discuss the difference between the need and the urgency of it and how we personally and as a church can do better better third question what part is god calling you to be involved in this overall great commission are you already involved and if not when do you plan to be involved so as we saw just now no one else can play your part except for you and so what part is god calling you to be involved in the overall great commission so i leave these questions with you for your reflection and discussion over the week